Welcome and thanks for listening to the Franklin Road Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. This podcast consists of the preaching and teaching from the pulpit of Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Our prayer is that what you hear from this podcast will bless and encourage your Christian life as you seek to follow Him. We strongly believe there is no substitute for being a part of a thriving local church. If you're in the Murfreesboro area, we'd love to have you join us any Sunday or Wednesday. But if you are enjoying this preaching from somewhere else, we want to encourage you to find a Bible preaching church where you can grow and enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. If you're listening to this podcast and have never accepted Christ as your Savior, we would love nothing more than to help show you how you can have your eternity settled and begin your relationship with God. Feel free to visit us in person or online at frbc.com for more information. Now let's see what God has for us from His Word today. We've been in a series entitled Beloved, and uh, we're going to look at chapter 4, the uh, last uh, seven verses 7 through 21, and uh, we're going to address for the third time the love of God. And uh, we actually have taken some of these verses and used some of these as we address this subject. Throughout, this is the ninth, or excuse me, the eleventh lesson in this book. And let's stand together, please, reading God's Word, First John chapter 4, and uh, pick up reading in verse number 7. First John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation or the atonement for our sins. Jesus paid for your sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also love one another. No man has seen God at any time. We love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us, or completed, or made whole. Hereby know we hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we I have known him and believe the love of God that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Let me just stop and say this. How many of you are glad that Jesus Christ was love, but when it came time for him to face the cross, he never turned back? The day of judgment, Jesus was bold. The prophet said he had set his face like a flint to the good of the cross, and he didn't turn back because he knew what that meant for all of us. Verse number 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? This is a commandment, this, this, and this commandment have we from him, 
But he who loveth God loveth his brother also. I'll draw your attention to verse number eight. Let's read that out loud as our theme verse. Verse eight, let's read that in unison together. Ready? He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Man, that's a big statement. Can you say this? God is love. Say it with me, would you? God is love. He's the epitome of love. He's the definition of love. He's the originator of love. God is love. Anything that you and I know about love that's pure love is of God. Father, bless now, please, as I teach on this big, broad subject. And I need the help of your Holy Spirit, please. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So right here at the beginning, let's just get all up the, the, theological, okay? Uh, and uh, as I studied for this, I had my notes all done. I walked over to a place in our home where my wife keeps nothing sweeter than the coloring sheets of our grandchildren. And there was this one. A little Baylor. Put a little pink in there as girls do. <laughs> Amen. Pink for girls. Here's what it says, God is love. Baby believes that. Children believe that. God is love. It's not hard for a child to understand that God is love. This world does not really believe that God is love. They look at the awful ravages of sin and disasters all around us in this world. They say, how can God be a God of love and permit such things to happen. Those who have never exercised their faith to believe in God would naturally think this way. So it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, the Bible tells us what God thinks and God is love. God is love. The Bible clearly says that if a person does not know God here in verses 1 and 2, he or she cannot have the capacity to give or receive love as God intended. Now, I know you don't believe that. That's just what the Bible says. Let's just look at it. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Verse 7, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So the idea here is it's, it's, it's not until we've accepted God's love for us and are genuinely born again that we even begin to understand the love that God has for us and for others. And only then can we really truly understand that God is love. There have been many depictions of love produced from Hollywood that may make us feel good about ourselves and others, but unless that love gets its definition from God's love, which is defined in the Bible, then it really does not represent the love that God intended, for God is love. You read about that love and. 1 Corinthians 13 and other places in the Bible. So the American Christian has been so programmed by the love that the media portrays that often what I just said kind of goes against the grain of what we really think about God. But nevertheless, this is what the Bible teaches. God is love. Will you say that with me again? God is love. Say it again. So I'm saying today the best husband and the best wife are those that are born again and seek to love like God loves. I'm not saying that it doesn't say a person cannot exercise some form of love for their spouse. I'm not saying that. I am saying that if you really are 
born again and you understand the love of God, agape love, God-like love, then you can really enjoy the full capacity of loving God and loving another person. I will say this, the best parents are born-again parents that seek to love like Christ's love. I will be the first to admit that saved parents can be bad parents sometimes, and the saved husbands and wives can be bad lovers as well. I am saying that if we obey God and love like the Bible says to love, we'll be good spouses and good parents. The best employer is the one who loves like God loves. The best teacher is the one that loves like God loves. The best Christian you'll ever meet is the one that loves like God loves. I read a story recently about a little four-year-old African girl years ago who had been sold as a slave. She had never known what love was. Her name was Kyoda in their tongue and language. Her name, Kyoda, meant nobody loves me. Her parents had nothing to do with her. She did not know who they were. When she grew up to be about 10 years old, her body became covered with ugly sores, and the natives turned her out from their village and would have nothing to do with her. Close by was a kind missionary couple that took the little girl in and clothed her and fed her. At first, she could not believe anyone loved her. She went about saying to these missionaries and the other children, my name is Kyoda. Nobody loves me. You can't love me. My name is Kyoda. I'm unlovable. The missionaries told her that Jesus loved her. They tried over and over to teach her what that love meant. One day, it dawned on her. She had just finished a nice warm meal. She looked down at her dress, her clean body, her nice hair, and her bandaged and cared for sores, and she looked at the missionary wife and said, is this love? And the missionary wife said, this is love. This is what Jesus taught us to do with other people. Can I just say this? You may be sitting here today, your name is not Kyoda, but you don't feel loved. You, don't, you're, you feel as though you're losing the capacity to love, and you've come in the place where you're saying, can a person even really love God? Well, I have some good news for you. And you can love God. And you get the help to love God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to write down several things today. First of all, notice please in this passage that God's love is described. God's love is described in verses 7 and 8. The Bible says that love originated with God. And the only way that we know how to love others comes from God. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, I'm... I'm just pretty good. I, I just love everybody, preacher. Well, and, and you're just good at that. And may I say that you wouldn't even know how to love others if it hadn't been for God. Because God is the originator of love. Even our desire to love God himself and to love others comes from God. Well, what is God's love like? I could take you a lot of places, but for the sake of time, I just let me give you a litany of things. Uh, this is not uh, exo- this is exhaustible because the love of God is inexhaustible. A one hymn writer wrote about the love of God. It's like the ocean filled full of ink. And my, my, the, the, I drained the ocean dry with my quill and the ink before I ever was able to des- describe how God loves mankind. His love is, first of all, it is unfathomable. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, <clears throat> nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God is unfathomable. The love of God is unending. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So God's love is eternal. God's love, thirdly, is unselfish. In other words, God's love asks for nothing in return. Just so you know, when it comes to salvation, we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That does not mean that a Christian should not do good works. We should. We should obey the, uh, the, the Word of God. But it does mean that my salvation is not based on what I do back to God. That's the grace of God. That's the love of God. You may have children. How many have children today? Hold your hand. You got children. Hold your hand. Children, grandchildren. Your love for them is not based on what they do or don't do with, with you and for you. Your love for them has to do with your heritage, your bloodline. That's your child. Same is true with God Almighty. So I'm thankful today that uh, his love is unselfish. His love is unmerited. In other words, it cannot be earned or deserved. One day Jesus was looking over Jerusalem, and he was mourning for uh, the people there in Jerusalem, and he wanted those folks to come back to him. And he said this in Matthew 23, 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered chickens under her wings, and you would not. That's talking about the unending, unmerited love of Almighty God for his people. Jesus is saying, I sent people to tell you about me, but you turned them away, and you killed them, and you got rid of them. But I still love you. That's the kind of love that God has. His love is unconditional. It's not based on what we can or cannot produce. It comes from the heart of God. Man can never reach a place when he will not be loved by God because God loved first. And he loved us uh, no matter what we've done, and he loves us eternally. And the next verse, verse 14, says that he is the Savior of the world, which means that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Which means that uh, Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, died for the sins of everybody. Everybody. That means it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you came from. If you're sitting here right now, salvation, free salvation, is available to you right now. And we'd be very wise to grab a hold of that and take that. And thank God that Jesus died for our sins. The love of God. The love of God describes, secondly, the love of God demonstrated. Look at verse number 9. And this was manifested or revealed or made known. Here's how he manifested it, the love of God toward us, toward mankind, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of or the sacrifice, or the atonement for our sins. I want you to think of this. That's talking about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. You've read the story. You hear the story repeated over and over from pulpits across America, especially around Easter time. The story of the cross and the resurrection is accented, and it tells a story about how Jesus Christ had committed no sin but yet Pilate and the others wanted to kill him and crucify him. And the high priest hated Jesus. And they drove him to an old rugged cross. 
And whenever that happened, all of his disciples that were following him, they ran away. Peter followed afar off, and, and John was maybe kind of close by. But the disciples so feared the, 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 the Jews and the high priests and, and the Roman Empire that they, they ran away from Jesus. All of his followers held back. They took Jesus. They nailed him to an old rugged cross. They put vinegar on a sponge and lifted it up to him when he said, I thirst. And as they drove the nails in his hands and in his feet, and as his side was riven later on, understand that Jesus died the most uh, gruesome death that a man could die in those days at the hands of Romans in crucifixion. You say, why did he do that? He did that for us. Jesus Christ was our Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. As we talk about love, Jesus just, or God just kind of pulls back, and the Holy Spirit starts telling John, the apostle, to write this. Now, write this. I want you to know that I've described that God, God is love, but I want you to know that why God is love. God is love because he loved us and sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Oh, what a hated and dark day that was when Jesus Christ died for us and said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the sky turned dark. And all of that happened on that day. If it had not been that for that day, you and I could not be Christians because Jesus shed his blood for us. On that day, understand, as we look at God's love demonstrated, uh, it was, uh, uh, his death was an atoning death. The word propitiation means that atonement. In other words, you have sinned and I have sinned and something must be done for that sin. There must be a blood sacrifice. That blood sacrifice started all the way back in the book of Genesis and ran all the way through the Old Testament. It was always a picture of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came one day and John the Baptist said this. He said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taken away the sin of the world, knowing that Jesus Christ will one day die for our sins. How many thank God Jesus died for our sins? Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ever going to go to heaven, you're going to go to heaven because you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and he died for your sins. He was buried three days and he rose again on the third. That is called the gospel. Brother Pearson was singing about it today. He was leading us in song. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And you're sitting back there saying, is that literal? Yeah. Because Jesus shed literal blood and that blood that Jesus shed on that day was for your sins and for mine it was an atoning death it was a substitutionary death Jesus died in our place someone's going to die for our sins it's either going to be us or Jesus I choose to take Jesus 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteous of God in him understand most folks don't they don't get this part they say well you know, you just kind of go to heaven because you go to church. No. You just kind of go to heaven because you just do real, some really good works. No. Well, you just kind of go to heaven because you hang out with all the Christian people. No. None of that's true. Everybody's going to heaven the same way. And we're going to heaven because we believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He died for our sins, was buried three days, and rose again on the third. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, friend, I want to be very candid and very honest with you. You may be sitting in this large congregation filled with people. You may be saying, well, I'm going to go to heaven because I did this or that or, or whatever. If what that this or that is that you think that's going to take you to heaven is 
not have to do with Jesus Christ. You're not a Christian. Jesus told Thomas in John 14, when he talked about going away and uh, going back to heaven, he looked at him and he said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? How can we get from point A here on earth back to point B in heaven? And Jesus said this, don't miss it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I don't, I don't want you to walk out here thinking, well, you know, Grandma told me this, or someone told me this, or people down at work said this, or I've been reading this cool book about this, and all these things. All no, 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 no. Have you been born again? The day you pray and ask Christ to be your Savior. That's what's being taught here. and That's showing us how much he, he loved us. It was, a, it was an atoning death. It was a substitutionary death. It was a saving death that saves us from a fiery hell. How many thank God for that? It was a converting death. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He saves us from the power of sin. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, and I quote, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, all because... God is love. John 3, 16. Say it with me. Ready? For God so loved the world that he... Have you believed? There was a time in your life when you said yes to Jesus Christ. God loves us. Charles Spurgeon said this, and I quote, What love is this, who were the serfs and slaves of Satan, the dishwashers of the kitchen of iniquity in this world, for Jesus to die for us? Think of that. Number three, write this down. God's love is displayed. The whole passage is about this. God's love is displayed. He, he mentions it over and over here that uh, we are because we're loved of God and because we love God, then we should display God's love, His people. True love shows itself by seeking to please the one who is loved. If we really love the Lord Jesus Christ, we will display that love to others. It's mentioned here in several ways. First of all, God's love is displayed or shown through the boldness of a believer, the boldness of how we live. Let me just say this. If you're embarrassed about God, you're ashamed about the fact that you're a Christian, then you're not loving Christ the way you should love him. Look at the verse. The Bible says this. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, look at uh, verse number 17. Herein is our love made perfect or manifest or shown or, or made complete that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. How many believe Jesus Christ is coming again? All right. Now is the time for you and I to be bold in our love for God and our love for others. Uh, let me just kind of give you some verses that mean a lot to me uh, these days. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. How about this one? With God, all things are possible. How about this one? Nothing is too hard for God. How about this one? I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Ladies and gentlemen, now is the time for us to love God to the point that our love becomes a bold love and the people around us say, that person loves God. They believe that God is love. They love me. They told me about Christ. They love me. They're living a good life in front of me. Now is the time for God's people to stand up straight and live for God. Boldly. Boldly. Secondly, 
God's love is displayed or is shown in a fearless love for him and others. The Bible talks about how perfect love casteth out fear. And you and I should be willing to take up our cross and follow him. We should be happy to grow in the Lord and not fear what others will say and do to us. We should be willing to despise the shame and rejection that others may show us because we love and follow Jesus Christ. And let me give you a little sidebar right here. In my introduction, I talked about what the world calls love, which, by the way, is pretty much based in books and Hollywood and media and so forth. How we're programmed about what love is. And then what the Bible says about love. Let me just tell you this. If a husband and wife really love each other, there's no fear in that love at all. None. Perfect love casts that out. Same way the children. I tell you what, I, my kids are afraid of me. Well, good for you. Good for you. How about maybe trying to love them like Jesus loved children and the children flocked to Jesus Christ? I'm all about discipline. I'm all about that. I'm all about being the man in the house and the woman and so forth. I, I get all that, but I'm just telling you this right now. Sir, if your wife is afraid of you, you don't have the love of God displayed the way it's supposed to be displayed. Ma'am, if your husband walks from you and runs to his man cave because he's afraid of you blowing up, you don't have, we're just getting close to marriage retreat, okay? So I felt like I needed to throw this out there. That's not the kind of love that's taught in the Bible. I'm glad God doesn't love us like that. It's shown in our boldness. It's shown in our fearless love. It's shown in our selfless love for the brethren. It's shown in our selfless love for our families our children right now are you loving your family are you loving your children the older I get the more that I, my, I understand priorities that God has given us and I love my wife better today because I understand the love of God and she loves me the same way same way with our son same way with our, our grandkids I recently heard a preacher preaching. He told this story of a young teen girl and her mother who were both sitting in the pastor's office for counsel. The relationship was a mess. In the conversation, it's pretty much the mother doing all the talking. The girl never said a word. The young girl finally broke her silence. She said to her mother, you took time to have me but you never took time to love me. There was no explanation to that. Mother, mother immediately broke down in tears and began to sob because she knew the girl was telling the truth. This mother had spent her life on herself. Now I'm just going to tell you this right now. God did not give you those kids to ignore them. God did not give you a wife to ignore her. God did not give you a husband to ignore her. God did not give you a family unit to just say, I'm still going to do what I want to do. God didn't give you a relationship with the brothers and sisters in this church for you to do that. But more than that, God never showed his love, showered it on you. You to turn back and say, I don't need you. 
I'm going to do life all by myself. Because God is a God of love, He'll let you do it. He won't bother you. He'll let you do it. And most people in America, I can't vouch for other countries, many of them who have never heard about Jesus Christ and God's love. Most people in America, one nation under God, are running their lives without God. And you're missing out on one of the biggest, beautiful emotions and, and, and feelings that anybody can ever have that is to feel loved by God. God has given you the capacity as a born-again Christian to take that love and perfect it and make it just as full as you can make it. Say this with me. God is love. Would you do that? Ready? God is love. Say it again. God is love. Let's stand together, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Number one, God is love. And he showed that and demonstrated that because he sent his son to die for our sins. Are you a born-again Christian? If you were to die today, to know for sure that you go to heaven. Yeah, that all pinned down. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one's looking right now. They're going to play softly. I want to just talk to you just a minute. I don't want anyone leaving this building without knowing for sure that heaven's their home. And I'm going to help you do that today. Secondly, God is love. And is displayed on others. God's people love God the way they should. The more that I love God, the more I'll do for those around me. 